Otherwise with Nancy Richards. Thanks very much. It's silly. Otherwise it is with me, Nancy Richards, talking women. And it's Wednesday and it's our help desk. And we always look forward to this day because it's a, it's a day when maybe we can do something to help you. And don't forget if there's anything you'd like to share at any stage, you're welcome. It's otherwise at safm.co.za. Team today, well, I'm Nancy and the team is Hazel Macrizoni and Albert Clarsen. And today we're kind of following on from what we touched on yesterday, the issue of loss, grief, bereavement. You might remember we spoke to uh, Shirley Nozipo-Hugo about her book called Stories of Loss. Well, today we're staying with the same subject, but we're looking at uh, the issues of loss, grief, bereavement, as it's experienced by teenagers, by young people. With someone who sadly knows only too well, she's Leslie Schroeder-McLean, she's a psychologist, but Leslie was also a mother to Mark, who died in a plane crash aged just 17. She has four surviving sons as well, so she's a busy lady. But uh, what she says is that like many parents, many other parents who are in a similar situation, whose lives have been rocked to the core by sorrow, that after Mark died, she really, really wanted to do something meaningful. So at the age of 46, she started a degree in psychology. She went on to do her MPhil in social science methods, which I'm very pleased to say that she got cum laude, so well done to her. But there's more, because she's also since been working with the Provincial Department of Education here in the Western Cape, and directly as a result with a number of schools. She's also done her thesis, which is called Who Am I Now? The Lived Experiences of Teenagers Who've Suffered Bereavement. She's done an extensive research study, which uh, was published earlier this year, And in a minute, we hope to be speaking not just to Leslie, but also to one of the uh, educational psychologists with whom she has worked very closely, Yolanda Lupondo, who is uh, with the Western Cape Department of Education. So all of that, we're going to hear Leslie's story. We're going to hear her advice. We're going to hear about her research study and the fact that recently she, in fact, just last month, she was in the States giving a, a delivering a paper to uh, an international conference on uh, death and bereavement or grief and bereavement. So all of that, but if you would like to share your story or maybe you've got some questions or you'd like advice or your experience you'd like to share, do it. It's 0892102010, 0892102010. I think we've also got our Facebook page open. It's otherwise on SAFM. That's a lot of stuff from me, 0892102010. And I think first and foremost, what I'm going to do is, uh, because she's got a lot to say, doing away with not what's news or anything like that, we can start straight off with Leslie Schroeder-McLean. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Nancy. Very, very nice to have you with us because I know not only have you been through what you've been through, but I think you've done a lot of learning along the way and I think you have got a huge amount uh, to offer that can help other people, principally young people, um, in, in their situation because you call young people, you refer to them as the hidden grievers because they're sometimes a little bit overlooked when all the parents are busy doing their grieving. Sometimes other young people are, are not taken into account. But Leslie, before we get on to any of that, tell us your story. Tell us what happened to Mark, uh, how long ago it was. Sorry. Mark was 17. He was in high school. We lived in Durban at the time. And for his his July holiday, he went to Alaska on a bit of an adventure. He wanted to be a pilot, so he had an opportunity to do some flight scene and help with an outfit in Alaska. And sadly... After he'd been there two weeks, the plane crashed into a lake and Mark drowned. So we lost him and it was an incredibly, oh, what is the word? Well, you can just never be prepared for something like that. I don't think any family is prepared. One moment you have this beautiful, vibrant, strong boy and the next moment you don't and you get told by a phone call. 
and he's on the other side of the world. So it was very shattering. And what made me really want to pursue this research is that I realized in retrospect that I didn't do a great job of parenting my surviving children in those perhaps first six months. And I felt bad about that, but, well, you can only do what you can with the resources you have when your life has been turned upside down. Who took that call? I did. And your immediate response was to... I, I was, it was surreal. I was on my way to Johannesburg for a business trip. And so when the phone rang, I kind of thought it was my alarm. And there's a time difference in Alaska of 12 hours. They're 12 hours behind us. So I got the call from a friend of ours in Alaska. And I thought that my son was on the line. And he was just going to say, hold on, here's Mark. And so I was waiting for my son's voice. And then he said to me, there'd been an accident. And he told me what happened. And that all the other passengers and the pilot had survived. Our son was the only one who died. And I couldn't take it in. And I just said to him, "Um, you you know, South Africans are terribly polite, aren't we? And I said to him, I'm so sorry, John, but I can't quite take this in. Please speak to Chris. And I gave the phone to my husband because it just didn't seem real. And my, my poor children woke up to the sound of their father and I screaming. And um, it's not a nice way for children Mm. to hear that their brother has Mm. died. You beat yourself up. Yeah. You beat yourself up because you say you didn't do a very good job managing your children. I mean, who would, who could? What do you think that you did wrong? What what else could you have done? Well, I have found out so much in retrospect since I've been talking to teenagers because originally I spoke a lot to parents. And when I started doing research with young people who were in high school when their brother or sister died, I found out things that I didn't ever really consider before. For instance, one of the key findings of the research is that in many ways school can be an escape from home. And I asked my own sons, now being the researcher, not the grieving mother, I said to my boys, did you look forward to going to school to get away from me? And they said, yeah, we did. We would want to get away, rather be with our friends and not have to deal with you crying. I think for boys, what came out very strongly was that they have tremendous empathy for their parents and perhaps particularly for their mothers, but they really do not like the emotion. They don't like the crying. Um, They would prefer... They just don't like the emotion yeah, of it. Yeah. And they, uh, it then sort of jeopardizes their opportunity to, to respond in whatever way. This is, let's concentrate on siblings because this is what we're talking about mm. here. So, so they, it, school is an escape. Um, but at, at home, how, how can you offer somebody a space or how did you offer, how did they deal with it in their own way at home? Well, when Mark died, my boys tended to spend more time with their friends, um, try and distract themselves, and they slowly began to throw themselves into doing different things, which absorbed them. Because what I found in the study is that teenagers can only grieve in small doses. They can't grieve constantly. And the main coping skills that they use are distraction and avoidance. 
And sometimes you read papers and research that says, oh, well, those are terrible coping mechanisms. They're not expressing their grief. They're not talking about it. You know, they don't always want to. In fact, many of them don't want to. So if they can distract themselves and just get absorbed in other things, it helps them tremendously. The, the distraction and avoidance is one thing, but I would imagine that when you go to school, and we'll talk more of this in a minute, you know, in, um, in respect of your research that you've done when you've spoken to a whole lot of young people, but distraction and avoidance um, by not being at home where everybody is sort of, you know, so sad. But when you get to school, isn't there a sort of, um, don't people deal with you strangely? They don't know how to talk to you. They, or do they, you know, what do they uh, experience when they got to school? Well, this is the difference. I now had the opportunity of looking at a big group of friends and classmates of my sons, as well as my own sons and his brothers. And the experience is similar in many ways for all teenagers, but it is very different for siblings. And before we talk about the school, what I just want to mention is that a friend will always be heartbroken and grieving. But sibling relations are, relationships are quite ambivalent. You don't always like your brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Even if you think of us as adults, we're not all close to our brothers and sisters. There's often conflict, rivalry, jealousy, sort of jockeying for position or attention and so on. So that can really complicate a lot of issues. And I found that after the death, when the children return to school, the friends very much want their friend to be acknowledged, for the friend to be paid tribute to. And they want external kinds of memorialization, like graffiti on walls or a memorial garden and so on, because there's a group of them. And it's also easier to deal with a group of sad people. But now when a sibling returns to school, they may be the only one. There could be others in their class or in their school who've never met the brother or sister who died. So they feel very isolated and very singled out. And they kind of cringe often at being in a school assembly where it gets announced, well, we're so sorry that mm. James's brother died over the weekend and we'd just like to express our condolences to the family. And James is sitting there wishing the floor would swallow him up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? With everybody's looking to see what, what, how he's responding yes. and what he's supposed to do. Yeah, and yeah. he's the only one. He or she, yes. Or, or she, yeah. yeah. So that is a big problem. Sometimes you have siblings returning to a school where the sibling who died was also in that school, as was the case in my family. There were two of my sons in the same high school. So then perhaps they're better known. But as my youngest son said, I would have perhaps liked it if someone had come and asked me how I felt, speaking about the teachers. He said, but no one did. Well, that's something that we've learned already. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Otherwise. It's uh, our Wednesday help desk, and we're talking about teenagers and bereavement, and we're talking to Leslie Schroeder-McLean. And I see that Yolanda has just arrived, Yolanda Lepondo, who's a, uh, an educational psychologist with the Western, Ca- uh, Western Cape Department of Education. Going to be chatting to her in just a minute. But I would just like to say, if you'd like to share with us, you're welcome, 0892102010. And I'd just like to say, too, Leslie, that we just had a message from Colleen Hall from KwaZulu-Natal, who says, thank you, Leslie. 
Leslie for all the love and support you gave to me and my family when Jennifer Ray Hall was shot and killed during a hijacking. So, love and support. Beautiful girl who attended the same high school as Mark. Lovely. You're listening to Otherwise. Stay with us. Do you want to learn how to pitch your business idea effectively? Do you want to take your existing business to the next level? Engine Pitch and Polish in association with SAFM is setting the stage for entrepreneurs. If you believe in your business idea and would like some guidance, then we want you to attend our inspiring workshop where you will receive expert training and tips. This free workshop is coming to a town near you. For more info, SMS PITCH, your name and city, to 45982. Register online at pitchandpolish.com or phone 011 SMS costs 150. T's and C's apply. Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Tevin Campbell, and right now, you're listening to SAFM. South Africa's news and information leader. SABC is inviting potential suppliers to submit proposals for the supply of character generators for TV outside broadcasts. Tender documents are obtainable from the 3rd of July, 2013, between 8 and 4, upon receipt of proof of payment of a non-refundable fee of 1,000 rand, made to SABC Limited at APSA, account number 284-000-1124, branch Auckland Park, reference number SGE forward slash CGOB forward slash 13 forward slash 06. Closing date is the 2nd of August, 2013, at 12 noon. For inquiries relating to collection of documents, contact Tender Office on 011-714-4764. SABC, Radio Park, Henley Road, Auckland Park, Johannesburg. For more information, go to our SABC website, www.sabc.co.za. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. It is indeed otherwise talking women and talking young people, teenagers and bereavement we are today. We have uh, been chatting to Lizzie Schroeder-McLean, who's got lots to tell us about the research that she's done. And don't forget, if you'd like to share with us, you are welcome, 0892102010. And we also have with us Yolanda Lupondo. Hi, Yolanda. Thanks very much for coming in. <laughs> Yolanda has come all the way from Googs. So she's mm-hmm. an educational psychologist, and she's with the Western Cape Department of Education. And, uh, well, Yolanda, you can tell us what you do. What I do know is that you work very closely with Leslie uh, on her research. But tell us a little okay. bit more about what you do. Okay. I'm a, um, good afternoon to listeners. Uh, I'm based on the school. I'm an educational psychologist, but at school I'm playing the role of a counsellor. Uh, we are dealing with teenagers who are ranging from age of 14 to 16 years old, uh, teenagers who got l- scholastic difficulties, who've been referred from the mainstream schools. Then our school is a special school dealing with learners who got challenges. Mm. Uh, i tell you what. Before we go further down that oh, avenue, okay. and I think we need to get you back another day okay. to talk about those sort of challenges, because I think school psychologists play an enormously vital role, um, okay. if I'm not mistaken, and I think that that is a really important subject. Mm. But just going back to the, what we're talking about now is teenagers and bereavement. Mm. Do you have to deal, do you have to counsel uh, learners a lot with uh, bereavement? There's a lot that learners are coming for counselling there, and they... They are having uh, uh, different challenges, you know, uh, passing of siblings in front of them, uh, death of parents, orphans. So they normally come to schools and then we have to take them through therapy. We also do a family therapy with them, uh, dealing, taking them through the, the, the briefing of, 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 of being lost in their the, the loved ones. Yeah. So we're doing a lot of that counseling, especially counseling. 
if you know, tries to settle them down. Which I imagine can be quite complicated, particularly, you know, if they've lost their parents or siblings or so, but if they've, if also one of their number has been lost in a violent way. We just heard from Colleen Hall, that, was it Jennifer Ray, mm. who was killed in a, a hijacking, I think. And for, for the other kids to have to deal with one of their own, having died in a very violent situation, must compound the counselling a great deal. It's a very, it's a very difficult situation, especially when they, because there was one incident that happened when one of the learners was killed in front of them, you know, due to violence related, you know, when they are being beaten by the community members, you know, because they've got challenges, they are on take on drugs, and they are stealing other people's things, so they they were beaten in front of them and then you have to deal with that counselling, uh, calming the learners down, calming the teachers down it's such a difficult situation when you are in based in school, you know because you have to contain the learners all the time, you know, and at times you are also being affected because you knew the learner, you know, who has been killed in front of you, so it's such a, a traumatic experience that is yeah. going on but the only thing that I still, it keeps us going is social support from both teachers, colleagues and also from learners, you know, when you are trying to calm them down. I think that is the only thing that is helping us, but it's, it's a difficult situation. The calming down process, I can imagine, is, is where it starts, you know, just sort of, you yes. know, trying to create mm. some sort of normalcy. Mm. But, but then after that, it goes on and on, and that kid is, remains not being there, and everybody's going away, mm. dealing with it mm. on a different basis. Mm. Do you, generally speaking, do you counsel them as a group, as a class, perhaps, as a school, and then individually, how do you break it down? Uh, it, 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 depend to, it depends to learner per learner. Yeah. You know, other learners, you take them through individual counselling. Others, you group them. Or others, you know, we, we, we do it as a, a session. Like we take the... Uh, 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 we discuss the, 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 the death like a, as a topic in, in, inside the classroom where we share with everybody, even those who, are, who did not have the experience of, you know, of death, mm -hmm. so that they can know how to deal with the death, if anything can happen to their families, to their homes. So normally we put it as part of the curriculum, that's how we're doing with it. It's either individual or or integrated it as a part of the curriculum. Yeah, one would like to think that it isn't going to have to be too much part of the curriculum, but mm. I can see that there mm. would be benefits. Lily, coming back to you, I think, we, you know, we've heard a little bit of your story. We just have to look at how much time we have. I think what's important is that at the age of 46, you thought, right, I'm going to study psychology, which you did, and then subsequently you went on to do this thesis. On what basis did you do it? I mean, were you already um, helping? Were you already counselling? Explain how you... Well, I, I became involved in volunteer support to parents quite early on in my journey because I realised that when Mark died, I didn't really have anybody come and visit me who'd lost a child. And you have a lot of questions. Would that have helped? I think it would have helped enormously because it's a very isolating experience and it would have helped to just know that some things were normal and this is the same thing that Yolanda mm -hmm. and I found for instance when we worked with teenagers some of them three, four years mm -hmm. down the line mm -hmm. were still talking about nightmares panic attacks mm -hmm. Passionate about soccer when the brother was in love with the soccer who passed away. Yeah, you know, and mm. the, the long term effect of all these things. So, I think people don't really, as much as they want to support you, mm. don't really have an understanding of the long term effects. So, coming back to your question, I started off 
kind of volunteering going out, reaching out to other parents. And from that, we started an online support group on Facebook, which sadly has 160 members now. And I think for anybody who's lost a very significant person, it's the normalizing that helps, that I know that I'm not Mm. insane. Um, I can see that this mother can function. Two years after her child died, she gets up, she puts makeup on, she goes to work. If she can do it, maybe I can also try and do it. That's the whole ethos. That's a, real, that's a really interesting lesson because I think one of the things, you say it's an isolating experience, and I think people isolate you because they don't know what to say. Yes. And they don't want to phone up and say, um, how are you feeling? Because they're afraid that you might tell them and they won't be able to deal with it. And, and possibly, I mean, I've had sort of some experience. You also don't know what to say to help perhaps... In your instance, you would like to talk about Mark. You would like to share about Mark. But, you know, as somebody on the other side, you don't know if that's, if that's cool or if it's mm-hmm. going to make them break down. Mm. What, what is the right thing? Well, I remember when my best friend's son died a year before Mark, and my little boy was nine or eight. No, oh, he was eight. And he was watching me pack my suitcase when I was on my way to go to her. And he said to me, but mommy, what are you going to say when you get there? He kept asking me, mommy, what are you going to say? He was very concerned about this. And it was my best friend. And I said, I don't really know what I'm going to say. I think she'll just want me to be there. And the people who gave the best support to our family were those who just Mm. came and were just there. And the kids are amazing. I think a lot of families will tell you this. They love to come and just hang out in the garden and play music. Mm. And that, for me, was very encouraging and heartening. And people would say, oh, look at all these children Mm. sitting around your lawn playing Mm. rap music and house music. It's not really appropriate. And I said, it's totally appropriate. This is their way, you know. Clearly it helped you, but I guess... I guess in their own way, perhaps it was helping them Mm. deal with it. Very much Mm. so. Uh, They need someone, teenagers need someone Mm. to facilitate their process. Mm. And yet, they aren't going to ask for it, Mm. and they don't want to be singled Mm. out. So what Mm. we found when we did the focus groups, Mm. Yolanda and I, Mm. it was really great, because Mm. they almost ignored us. Mm. And you you know... uh, we ended up learning something, one or two out of them. And after we did our research with them, uh, I introduced the, the power of drawing, the power of writing. You know, the insight, the, the inner feeling that they have out of that writing that they did. You could read more about them, but when you speak one-on-one of them, it's difficult to come through with those answers. But the power of writing, the power of drawing, it, you really felt where the learners are, especially the teenagers. And I think the, the parents and us, the adults, we don't give time to listen to them, yes. you know, because we take things for granted that... They are normal, they are fine. They are fine. Yeah, well, they're, they're not going to mm. talk on schedule. That's mm-hmm. the key thing. Yes. So if you mention counseling to them, they'll generally go, no, 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 we don't want to go to a counselor. But if you can give them facts, mm. and this is mm. girls and boys, mm. but we saw maybe boys even more no, so, more so yes. they like to know mm. the mechanics of things. Mm. Bearing in mind that not all of them are necessarily grieving. 
but they're traumatized mm. and and it's been mm. a disruptive experience mm. for them. Mm. So well, now they want interesting point uh, the difference between mm. being traumatized and, and mm. actually grieving. Mm. Hold it right there. We're going to take a quick break for the news headlines, but look forward to hearing a little bit more about these focus groups. Mm. And interesting that you say that teens don't always talk on oh, schedule because mm. mm. they're not always able to articulate these things. Mm. But perhaps drawing and writing mm. it's something that they can mm. do better. Mm. Lots of lessons mm. I'm learning here certainly. <laughs> You're listening to Otherwise here on SAFM. We're talking about teenagers and bereavement, so do stay with us. And I think the question is, who am I now? Mm. That is the question often asked by teenagers. But it's 1.30, it's news headlines time with Utsile. Yes, back to me, Nancy, uh, on Otherwise Talking Women, and we're talking today about teenagers and bereavement. And in the studio with me, I have Leslie Schroeder-McLean. She's a psychologist, and she's recently got her BPhil, and she did a thesis called, for her research, she did a thesis called Who Am I Now? The Lived Experiences of Teenagers Dealing with Bereavement. Also have educational psychologists with the Western Cape Department of Education, Yolanda Lupondo. So, um, if you've got any questions, you'll feel free to ask. If you'd just like to listen, you can do that too. 0892102010, because maybe you have an experience that will change the lives of anybody who's listening. 0892102010. Leslie, coming back to your research, um, this you did for your BPhil, Who Am I Now, was the name of your thesis. What research did you do and how? Because I know that you two of you did it together. Mm-hmm. It was for an MPhil, and... What I did was I worked very closely with the specialized learning support unit Mm. for the Western Cape Education Department in the central metro district. Mm. And I'd worked with those that team for some time, giving conference talks and workshops and so on, and a very real and sincere need from that team to help schools and to equip them with more knowledge. And I think you spoke to 74 high schools? I I phoned 74 high schools in the central metro district of Cape Town, and a couple of the participants also came from other areas of the Western Cape Mm -hmm. through other networks. But essentially, I was looking at young people who were in high school when their brother or sister died suddenly. So some of the participants were already out of school, at the time that we did the field work. So they could perhaps have been, the oldest was, I think, 22. But a lot of them were still in high school, and the average length since the death of their sibling was three years. How easy was it to find that many children? You know, are there that many children who have lost their brothers and sisters? Yolanda? Uh, Les contacted me and then uh, wanted to find out if I can help you with the participant. Uh, there were few that I, I knew, but I told myself, let me, uh, you know, uh, research in my school that how many did they go through that process. And to my surprise, I, I think around about 20, I was so shocked because others, they never spoke out about their trauma experiences, you know. And uh, and then we take it from there, you know. Yeah. Then so you found about 20 within how many schools? I was looking as, as specifically to the area of the central district that I was working yeah. with, you know, I was looking to the school that I was So there were a whole lot more. It was only in one yeah. school that I was based in. Oh, okay, you, know. you found 20 in one, uh, in one day. One day, yes. Yeah. That's oh. what happened here. Yeah. The problem is we don't have stats. Yeah, mm. well, it doesn't really matter, I suppose, but, yeah. but I mean, that is nonetheless a shocking stat. But mm. lately you found the reverse. You found a lot of schools saying, no, no, we don't have anybody like that, when in fact they do. Uh, that's true. Um, they would say that they weren't aware if they did have bereaved siblings in their school. The thing is, that's not necessarily because the school doesn't care. 
It could be a stepsister mm. or a stepbrother dies, mm. and the parent doesn't mm. think mm. to go and inform mm. the school about it, bearing in mind that the parents are pretty shattered right then. So it's sometimes the fact that the school doesn't mm. know about it. Mm. If, the, if the child who died mm. wasn't in the same school, mm. it's quite likely that they wouldn't know about it. So it's it. possible there's quite a lot of suffering in silence? They, there is, because it, it, it depends. Because look at Western Cape, there are lots of learners who are coming from the Eastern Cape. You know, they are new. And at times you don't ask the historical background of the learner where the learner is coming from. You just assume the learner is... And that is so important what you'll understand. The historical background is very important to just to know where the learner is when you get the learner, the new intake of learners. So that's why at times you get shocked that there are so many people who are so traumatized, you, you know, the siblings, the teenagers. You because know? they don't understand the long-term effect. Yes. It's mm-hmm. not somebody told me yesterday, well, you must do your bereavement and then you must move on. It doesn't work like that. There's all these triggers. So they'll do fine for a while and then, for instance, they'll turn 18. Mm-hmm. And as each of my son's sons turned 18, they now became older than Mark. That was not a nice experience for any of us because they don't become the only child if there were two mm. of them. They are always going to be the younger of two or the older of two and so on. Uh, my third son didn't become my second son. There's always that gap in the family. So at each major milestone, mm. weddings, mm. graduations, mm. turning 21, mm. Getting your driver's license, mm. it's this. So that's in a sibling situation. Yes. Going back to the school situation, um, and I think you, you mentioned, that Leslie, that some schools may all have a graffiti wall in honor of this child who's died or plant a tree mm. or whatever it may be. Is that, is that common, Yolanda, in your experience, the schools that you work with? Is something made of it for the whole school, or, or is it, let's deal with this and move on? I, 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 I think it's something that we don't address, and I think it, it also depends to the cultures, you know, because the other cultures will just shut down. If if there is a death in the family, just shut it down. Mm-hmm. But you know what? What came out out of when we were doing the the, the research with Les is that at times people are being dominated with memories. They are so powerful. If something intrigues those memories, they normally come up, you know, and then you'll find that. It, the, the, the teenagers were never been healed before, and it's not being addressed, you know. And I think the schools needs to take away of that, you know. Trauma, trauma. You might think that the trauma is only accidents or whatever, but trauma is the experiences that we go through in our lives, you know. Some others they go through quickly with trauma, others it takes time. They need to talk about each time so that it can just a little bit fade away. You know, yeah. you know. and also understand it. We found that. In our study, the participants really like to know mm. the mechanics of what causes a panic attack. Mm. When you have nightmares, yes. how mm. do you deal mm. with them? Mm. What are the benefits of having nightmares? Mm. There are benefits to mm. bereavement dreaming. Why? And then they're mm. very fascinated that mm. it, if they can see the logic behind mm. it. And that tends to be the kind of counseling mm. that they want. Mm. More of... How do I deal with, with this? Mm. What, what, how do I cope? Why does this happen like this? And again, it normalizes mm. the experience for them. So these, so finally, I think after you contacted all these 74 high schools, you narrowed it down to 25 young people who had been in this situation. 
What did you ask them? How did it go? Did you talk to them one-to-one? We actually had 42 who had agreed and then didn't all show because sometimes it becomes too difficult for them or the parents are also concerned about what might be revealed about Mm. the family. Mm. So we literally got between six and eight young Mm. people together Mm. in focus groups. Mm. Yolanda wasn't the only educational psychologist to help me. We had Afrikaans speakers, English speakers and so on. And we would just start by saying, can you take us back Mm, to your first day at school? That's kind of from Mm. the disruption of the death, then they start to transition. And the transition is really marked by that first day back at school, Mm. um, in a way, because that's when they have to try and adjust to Mm. being different Mm. in the world that used to be familiar Mm. to them. And so we asked them, what was it like Mm. when you went back Mm. to school? And Mm. the answers were? (laughs) I don't think we spoke again for the next 20 minutes. You know, (laughs) they were so still, you know, and you could feel it. It's now then they realized the reality hit them that we we lost our loved ones you know you could pick it up uh, 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 as others they were able to go through with it others they are still stuck I still remember one of our participants mentioning that uh, he is dreaming of becoming a soccer player because his brother used to talk to him that they they should dream of becoming uh, the soccer stars and he mentioned that he is living for that he wants that dream of his brother to come true he wants to be that person that brother his brother wishes him to be, you know, you could see they've got dreams about them, you know, they've got, they are so ambitious at times, others they want to shut it down, they don't want to remember what happened, really, they just want to close the chapter. That continuing attachment is quite important, Mm, because it's a big theory in bereavement, Mm. you know, people say you have to cut Cut the ties, Mm -hmm. and the new research is showing that it's more a question of, you can maintain that connection. And you kind of engage and disengage, but it's about being able to function while still maintaining some mm-hmm. kind of connection, whatever works with you. And we found that accomplishment was the single most important thing for young people. Mm-hmm. They need to be encouraged to pursue their own dreams and to be the best mm. person they can mm. be. And often that mm. entails some kind of honoring of the sibling who died. Mm. Like they will, they mentioned they'll go all out mm. to get the best matric possible because mm. it makes their parents so happy. Mm. It gives their parents something mm. to be excited about. Don't and it I, honors I, their sibling. I was going to ask about the parents because very mm. often what we've heard is that when one sibling dies, the parents are spending so much time and energy grieving for that child mm. that the other children or child may become maybe maybe resentful but also you know they don't feel like they necessarily matter what what was their response in terms of what how they were dealing with it or how the rest of their family was impacted on that we spoke more about the school than about the home Mm -hmm. in this particular Mm -hmm. research Mm -hmm. but what we noticed is while they didn't like the crying at home, they didn't like the fighting. Mm. The fighting scared them tremendously, and, and sometimes drinking and, and so on, conflict mm. in their home. What they did like very mm. much and what was helpful to them is where the families had rituals mm. as a family. Now, amongst the Kosa speaking mm. kids, it was more traditional rituals. Mm. They'd go home to the Eastern Cape and they'd have that Ubeke Lita. You know, when you could, because one of our participants had never had any opportunity to, to, to see the brother being buried, you know, because it's difficult for them to move back to Eastern Cape due to financial uh, difficulties. So, what 
normally is saying is that they will go back and just put the stone, just acknowledging that uh, our brother has been passed away. But, you know, after the research, it gave us the educators, you know, the educators in our school, the wake-up call. You need to listen to those who are bereaved, just to listen, you know, just acknowledgement. It, I think it was one thing that came up so much. Listening really is a therapy to them because if they see that you are within them, then it's easy, you know, to they allow you to talk to them. We're talking about teenagers and bereavement. If you'd like to give us a call, 0892102010, talking to Leslie Schroeder McLean, talking to Yolanda Lupondo, educational psychologist. Uh, Just going back to the research and the the focus groups, and you were talking about um, when you, you said to the kids, go back to the first day at school. How did it cope? How did you cope when you came back to school? What helped for them, and what was difficult for them? What helped them the most was kindness, and they spoke very bitterly about unkindness. There were some really nasty examples of unkindness directed towards them. For instance, a young girl whose brother died during the hospital uh, during the holidays, very traumatically, violently. She arrived back at school and said to a teacher, I'm sorry, ma'am, I wasn't Mm. able to do my assignment. My brother died in the holidays. The teacher hadn't heard about it, which is wrong. The teacher should have known. Mm. And the teacher said, well, did he die at the beginning or the end of the holidays? Mm. Now, that's a a bit extreme. Mm. But I've I've seen similar things where teachers have told me that one of my sons is playing up, being a bit cocky, bad attitude, sloppy with deadlines. And I'd say, well, you do realize that his brother died. You know, you are aware of that. And the teacher would say, yes, but that was six months ago. Mm. So what helps them? is kindness, not being singled Mm. out. But structured support is very Mm. important. Mm. And the school that my one son is in now has a mentoring system, Mm. which is awesome, where they can choose the teacher that they would like. Mm. And if that teacher could meet the bereaved child Mm. once a week Mm. at a specific time, Mm. they say they like to know when it's going to be Mm. so that they can be prepared. They don't Mm. want to be pounced on Mm. in the corridor when they're walking with their friends. And as the one boy says, and the teacher suddenly gets an urge to ask me in front of all my friends, oh, Sham, how are you coping? He says he dies of embarrassment. Mm. But if it's a structured thing where they go and speak to the teacher not about their bereavement or their grief, which they might not be grieving. So we can't assume that everyone mm. is grieving, mm. but they're disrupted. So just to say to them, we understand that, that you've gone through a traumatic okay. time, mm. that your life has been disrupted. We would like to offer you support. How are you coping? Mm. And just to keep on doing that for quite a long period, that is extremely helpful. Mm. Talking about teenagers and bereavement, 0892102010, if you'd like to give us a call. We've got Grace on the line from Cape Town. Hi, Grace. Hello there. Hi. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say hi to Leslie and to say that I'm so proud of her. She's doing an amazing job. <laughs> um, okay. I've had the privilege um, to be invited to go and uh, listen to Leslie when she was preparing and learning and so on, and it's been an amazing um, experience. And, yeah, all together we've walked quite a long way, and... Um, I also belong to the Compassionate Friends Group, a support group, which is another group that supports the um, grieving parents. But Liz, girl, I'm proud of you. Lots mm-hmm. of love. Carry on there, girl. Cheers. Um, mm-hmm. before, great. Thanks, Grace. Yes. Okay, before you go, uh, what did you learn from Leslie? Uh, have you mm-hmm. been in the same situation? 
I have been. Um, I'm not a sibling. I'm a mom that has lost a daughter too in a tragic way. And and together, you know, Leslie was saying that people are outsiders, you know, don't actually understand. We mm-hmm. we definitely speak a different language, and we we want to speak um, about our children. And for us, it's it's a healing process too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been it's a it's been an amazing road. It's it's a roller coaster. Um, one still has your very very bad days now and then, where you just think, well, today is going to be a bad day. I can't cope with it, but. When you reach out to one another, um, as, as, you know, moms, uh, grieving moms, it's amazing the yeah. support that we get from each other, and that Thanks. definitely gives us strength. Thanks, Grace. And I'm, I'm wondering, Leslie, if that helps in the same way with young people, if it helps if they know... It does help. Before, you, before yeah. you do that, we've got Jabu on the line. He's yeah. driving. Hi, Jabu. Hello, Jabu. Look, I, I have a grandson mm. uh, who is about 20 now who lost both parents, uh, lost lost his dad was my son uh, about 12 years ago and lost his mom about nine years ago mm. now he did have this disruptive behavior at mm. school because by then he was about eight years or thereabouts and therefore the school kept on calling me mm. to go and discuss his behavior i still he's at he's at the college right now i still pick up that sometimes that disruptive behavior uh, does come up from time to time. Does it ever go away? Let's see. As I said, hi, Jabu, I'm, and I'm hi. very sorry for the loss of your son. Okay, thank you. Definitely the effects stay with you for a long time. You said your grandson was eight at the time. Yes. And that's still very, very young where a child doesn't have a full understanding mm. of death okay. and the mm. finality of it. Mm. Um, so it's going to stay with mm. them. And often you only begin to work through mm. some of these things mm. as an adult. Uh, yeah, okay. it, it has a profound mm. effect on young mm. people. Mm. And especially as they're moving into ad- adolescence, mm. they're trying mm. to determine who mm. they are and establish yeah. their identity. Mm. And your family, your parents, your siblings mm. are so much part of how you distinguish mm. yourself. I think that's just that's something for everybody to know that it, Jabba, forgive me, butting in, um, but maybe somebody, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away, Jabba, but I think the only thing that you owe them is to educate them, you know, because yeah. I think we're lacking on doing that as the adults, you know, to, 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 to take the, the, the children through our history, you know, why do you mm. don't have the parents, what happened, mm. sit down, mm. educate them, because I think that is a lack of, of, of things that you are not doing as as, as parents, you know. Jabba, we're well, going to leave it at that, but very, very best Thank of luck. Thank you very I much. Yeah, no, but this is very helpful. Thanks. Good, right. good. Thank you. And Thank I'm you. hoping that yeah. there has been some help. Incidentally, if you'd like to find out more about Leslie's work, www.leftbehind.co.za is the website. Leftbehind.co.za. And I think if you want to find out more about what Yolanda does, the Western Cape Department of Education is probably the way to go. Nancy, I will load some information on this. Okay, we've got Lauren very briefly on the line from Cape Town. We've just got one minute left. Hi, Lauren. Hi there. Um, I was just wondering if you could help me with regards to um, uh, extended family. Basically, my cousin lost his brother when he was 19 and his brother was 18. This was about 15 years ago. He has since never recovered, but he's gone through tons of counseling. He's now disappeared in Cape Town. But I was wondering if there was any suggestion from her where he could go. I mean, like I said, he's attended a lot of private counseling. Um, he's 
I'll tell you what, Lauren, we're out of time. I'm going to ask Hazel to take your phone number, okay. um, which she's got. But just listen on the radio very briefly, Leslie. I'd just like to say my website had a fatal error this morning. So if you go to leftbehind.coza and it's not up, it will be in the next couple of hours. Compassionate friends, addresses and telephone numbers, I will also include there. Do you think Lauren would be advised to go to Compassionate Friends? Um, I could definitely help Lauren with some ideas and then I'm going to put a wider, longer resource list on my website as okay. well. Lauren, just check it out. Don't be put off if you find that leftbehind.co.za has <laughs> got errors at the moment, but uh, there will be help there. And, and thank you for your call and very best of luck. That's it. I'm afraid we're out of time, but thank you very much. Uh, Yolanda Lapondo, thank you very much, and I wish you strength for the work that you do because thank it you. feels like it, it's probably quite, it's quite arduous at some stage. But it would be nice to get you back at a later stage to talk a little bit about the other work that you do, oh, educationally speaking. Okay. Thank, you. thank you. Leslie Schroeder-McLean, thank you very much. Very best of luck, and uh, congratulations once again on your mm. thesis. And thanks yes. to the brave young people who shared, yeah, because it was really. all about them. Mm. Yeah. And you've been listening to Otherwise. Right now it's time for um, Nali Bali, uh, the children's program.